Well, welcome to Vaughn Forest. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. Glad you're here, whether you're joining us online or joining us here on our campus. We're in a series on worship called Then Sings My Soul. It's uh, week four, and uh, it's been a fun series. And so uh, if you're just jumping in for the first time today, we just did a worship set where we did Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble and Shout to the Lord. And it's not 1998, so that's kind of fun, right? So one of the things we're doing in this series is we're kind of going back and, and singing some of those worship songs that kind of were written in the early to mid 90s and kind of bringing them back. We're bringing back some hymns. We're using the new stuff as well. And our worship team has been doing such an awesome job each week uh, leading us during this series. So I'm excited to share the message with you today. But before we do that, um, Friday was a special day as it was Veterans Day. And we had an opportunity as a nation to thank and honor all of our veterans. And we have so many veterans that call Vaughn Forest Church home. And we have so many who are currently serving in our nation's military who call Vaughn Forest uh, their church home as well. So I want to right here at the beginning of the message. If you're here on our campus and you are a veteran or you presently serve in any branch of our nation's military, would you mind standing just for a moment so we can acknowledge you and thank you for your service this morning? Go ahead, stand up and y'all let them know how much we appreciate them this morning. Awesome. So good to see so many of you, both services at 930 and 11. And all we can say is thank you. So Morgan and I have three boys, and uh, we're kind of a sports family, um, and so we're, we're always involved in something with that. And we work really hard to help our boys understand that heroes don't hit home runs. Heroes, you know, they don't uh, score the game-winning touchdown. They don't make three-point baskets at the end of the game. Heroes are our veterans. They're the, those who serve currently in our nation's military because freedom is not free, and we don't ever take that for granted. And so we just say thank you. We hope that you feel honored, um, and we are honored to get to serve you as your church family, your spiritual family here at Vaughn Forest. Let me tell you where we're going to go today. Um, week four, lots of things we've covered so far in this series. If you've missed any of those messages, they are all posted on our website. This kind of is one message preached over five weeks, and so I would encourage you to go back and catch those at some point. But let me tell you what we're going to focus on today. We're going to talk about this idea of worship as a sacrifice. And so we're kind of hitting worship from a number of different perspectives in this series. And what I want to show you today is that sacrifice and understanding sacrifice and, and what does that mean and how is that tied to worship is actually foundational when it comes to our worship. So there's some message notes in your bulletin. If you're here on our campus, I need you to go ahead and find those, get those ready. If you're joining us online, you can access them right here at vaughnforest.com. So we're going to eventually get to five practical applications as it pertains to worship as a sacrifice. But before that, I want to lay a little bit of a biblical foundation so we can kind of connect the dots between worship and sacrifice and then eventually get to what that means to us today. So just kind of some quick principles this morning. The first place worship is mentioned in the Bible, it is in reference to a sacrifice. That would be a really good trivia question if we had like a church trivia. You wouldn't think that the first time worship is mentioned, it would be sacrifice. We would think singing, or we would think song, or we would think psalms of praise. But what we're going to see is that in Genesis chapter 22, that's the first chapter in the Bible that the word worship shows up, and it's in reference to a sacrifice. Let me read the passage and then maybe give you a little bit of context behind the passage. So Genesis 22, verse 3, Abraham. If you went to VBS as a kid, Father Abraham, the same guy. That's who we're talking about. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Now Isaac is the promised son. So there's significance to Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. 
Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and return to you. It's the first time the word worship shows up in the Bible. And if you know anything about what's happening here, God has told Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, if you're new to the Bible, that may really catch you off guard. Like, why would God tell Abraham to do that? Well, what happens is once they get up there, God is faithful to supply the sacrifice. And so Abraham doesn't have to follow through with sacrificing Isaac. But in Abraham's mind, this sacrifice was an opportunity to worship. Now, let me tell you what's really happening there. What's really happening there is a picture for us with Abraham, father, Isaac's son, of what God is ultimately going to do for us as father, God the father, through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's kind of the second principle when it comes to worship as sacrifice. Jesus fulfills Genesis chapter 22 as the son who is willingly sacrificed, providing payment for sin. Ultimately, Genesis 22 is a foreshadowing of a father who willingly sacrifices his son and a son who willingly gives up his life. Please remember, no one took Jesus's life from him. Jesus willingly went to the cross. He did that for you. He did that for me to pay the payment for sin so that we might be reconciled to God and have a relationship with God. And it's through Jesus's sacrifice that this actually happens for us. Look at how 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. God made him, who's him? Jesus. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. What an amazing thing that Jesus did for us so that we could be made righteous before God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an incredible thing. So that's kind of the foundational picture of worship as a sacrifice. We see presented early in scripture. We see Jesus ultimately fulfill fulfill that for us. But what does that mean for us today? So let's kind of fast forward And how does sacrifice relate to worship today? Because I think it's one of those things that even though it's in the Old Testament, sacrifice, in the New Testament, sacrifice, kind of really focusing in and seeing how do we practically apply that? What does that look like today? So we've talked about some of this in the series. We talked about a few weeks ago, a sacrifice of praise. This was the second week of our message. And Hebrews 13, 15 was our foundational verse. We actually spent an entire message in this verse. And what does it say? Through him then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Who's him? Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. It's only through a relationship with Jesus that you can offer your sacrifice of praise to God. And that matters. That God inhabits the praises of his people. And you're the only one who can offer God your sacrifice of praise. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your mom can't do it for you. Your grandmama can't do it for you. You offer God a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes we think, how is that a sacrifice? It's what we're bringing to God. Did you know that God desires the praises of his people? So we can offer God a sacrifice of praise. We've talked about that earlier in this series. Let me tell you what else sacrifice looks like when we talk about it today. All of our life is a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let me give you a little bit of a foreshadowing. This is where we're going next Sunday. We're going to wrap up this series on worship with this passage next week, and we're going to talk about how all of our life is worship. It's not just the songs we sing. It's not just our own personal devotional time. Literally everything about our life is an opportunity to worship God. Then how is that presented to us? in terms of sacrifice, that we are a living sacrifice. So there's sacrifices of praise. There's all of our life that's offered to God as a sacrifice of worship. But there's also a third component when it comes to applying sacrifice to worship today. 
It's when there's this act of sacrificing something of value to God for his purposes. That's kind of the third component. We see this all over God's word. And this is really the principle I want to focus in on today. Not so much sacrifices of praise. We've been there. Not so much living sacrifice. We're going to go there. But for today, what does it look like when we talk about sacrificing something of value to God for his purposes? This is all over the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament. I could have taken you to a number of passages, but I'm going to take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to put the verses up here for you. And I wanted to take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 because it's about a guy named David. We've talked about him a lot in this series. Last week, we talked about the book of Psalms, and David's the most prominent person in the book of Psalms. And what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture is that David is leading the way with this principle, sacrificing something of value to God for his purposes. Now, what was the purpose here? The temple. David, as we're about to see in this passage you read, has gathered all of God's people together, and he's basically saying, my son Solomon's going to build the temple, but we got to pay for it. So we're going to sacrifice something of value so that God's purposes can be fulfilled. So let's go to the passage, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting in verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stones and marbles, all of these in large quantities. So David supplied all this. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures. Isn't that interesting? So as the king, David has access to a lot of resources. Those are all going towards the temple. But here's now what David is saying. I'm also going to give everything that I have as well. Personal treasures of gold, silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I've already provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, Who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? I love this. I need you to picture this. Here's David going first. It says the whole assembly of God's people are gathered. There's lots of people, tens of thousands of people. And David is saying, this is what I'm going to give. That's so not like our culture. I mean, we wouldn't do that. Like we wouldn't have somebody go, hey, here's everything I'm going to give. Here's all the money I'm going to give. Like David is just straight up, open, honest, all his cards laid out. Here's everything I'm going to do. And then he literally looks at everybody and says, your move. Who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? David goes first. He leads the way, sacrificially giving, and then he challenges God's people. And look at what they do. Verse 6, then the leaders of families, officers of the tribes of Israel, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. I love that. They didn't give reluctantly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. So how much is a talent? It's a lot. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord and the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. I love that to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced 
greatly. What's happening here? God's people are sacrificing something of value for God's purposes, and they see the temple constructed. This is a great, glorious day in the history of God's people. And you say, that's awesome. That, that's that's kind of cool. First Chronicles 29, they all gave wholeheartedly. They gave willingly. They gave sacrificially. Then the temple got constructed. What does that look like for us today? Like we're not giving 10,000 talents of silver or gold or precious stones, and we're certainly not constructing a temple. So what does it look like for God's people today to connect the dots between sacrifice, something of value to God for his purpose, as an expression of worship? Well, here at Vaughn Forest, we have a very practical way that, that we challenge our church family every year to accomplish this same principle. It certainly looks different in our time, but the principle remains the same. Sacrificing something of value for God's eternal purposes. And the way we do that here at Vaughn Forest is through our annual Christmas offering. So if you're new to Vaughn Forest, this is something we do every year, and it's an annual special Christmas offering that we give to as a church family above and beyond our regular tithes of offerings. We give sacrificially, we give willingly, and we give wholeheartedly, and it goes towards initiatives for the upcoming year. Again, this is something that we do every single year. And here's the thing I love about it. We do it because we want to do it. Sometimes in a church when there's like a special offering, it's because giving's not going well, we're behind on budget, you know, no one's being faithful with their finances. Quite simple, that's just not the case here. The finances here are in really good shape because so many people are generous and our team led by Hardy Sellers does such a great job managing all of that. So all of that's going well. Quite simply, this is just us. It gives us the opportunity to do what? Please don't miss this, to worship. So this is part of our worship, that we sacrifice something of value and we do it for God's purposes. And practically speaking for us, that is an annual Christmas offering. So let me tell you what this year's annual Christmas offering is gonna be called. It's called the Now is the Time Special Christmas Offering. And does that not just look like Christmas? I mean, can we have snow in Alabama for once? Would that not be awesome? Some of y'all have lived here your whole life. Like it snows every decade. We gotta increase that a little bit, all right? It hasn't snowed as much. It hasn't snowed at all in Alabama since we moved here. And I'm praying for snow this winter. I'm gonna challenge you to join me in that prayer. And if you don't, I'll pray for you because snow is awesome, all right? It's a lot of fun, okay? So, so anyway, I digress. That's a beautiful picture, okay? Now is the time. So we're gonna talk about this for the rest of our time together today. And we've got five initiatives. So just to be clear, for the rest of our time together today, I'm gonna share with you five initiatives that you're gonna have the opportunity to give to between now and the end of January towards this special offering above and beyond our regular tithes of offerings as a spiritual act of worship, as sacrificial giving, as worship. And when you give to this special offering, your giving, our church family as a whole giving, is going to go to all five of these ministry initiatives. And I wanted to put them in your notes as the points. I know it's a little different for that to be your points today, so you can take them home. You can hang them on the fridge. You can see them. You can be reminded of them, okay? So jot them down as we talk through them, okay? Here's the first one. Now is the time to launch a special needs ministry at Vaughn Force Church. I believe it's the time. We've talked about this in the past. There's been, kind of been a number of different challenges and, and reasons we couldn't do it. But we believe God is calling us now to step into this and to launch this new ministry. We found a space here on our campus that we can convert into that. And so we'll be ordering everything that needs to go. We'll be outfitting all of that and everything that's going to go with that. But part of what I want to do in today's message is not just tell you what the initiatives are. I want to tell you why it is that we are embarking upon these initiatives. So let me give you the why behind the what. So the what is to launch a special needs ministry. Here's the why. So that we can reach the most unreached people group in our community. The term unreached people group is a missiological term that missionaries use to talk about people who live in different parts of the world that haven't yet been reached with the gospel. And yet in every local community here 
in America, there's a group of families that don't always feel like they can be connected to a local body of believers at a church. And that group of individuals are families that have family members with special needs. It might be a child with special needs. It might be an adult in the family with special needs. And a lot of times churches just aren't set up in a way to minister to the needs of those families. And we certainly are aware of that need in our community. And we want to step into that because we believe that God is calling us to do this for this first initiative. So let me kind of tell you a little bit of what we know so far. We don't know a lot. We have more questions than answers. We have someone on our team that's gonna run point. We know that, so we're giving full staffing resources to this. We've got some space on our campus that we're designating, and our goal is to have this launched by February. So here's what that means. A lot of you are gonna be serving in this ministry area. It's something you've done in the past. It might be something you do professionally. You might have experience with this. You might have family members with this. You may just have a burden for this. So we're gonna be calling upon you to step into this to launch this new ministry. But everybody, whether you serve in the ministry or not, you're gonna have the opportunity to give to this special offering and know that when you give, part of what you give is gonna go to this. And I was just stopped after the last service with already someone with a story of Thanksgiving because they were here at the last service and they found out about this and this is a very immediate need in their family. They're super excited about this. And so I think God's gonna use this new ministry to help us reach a lot of people in our community. And I'm really excited about it. And just know when you give, that's part of what your giving will go to. All right, let me give you the second initiative. Now is the time to upgrade some preschool rooms and fourth and fifth grade life group rooms and our next generation ministry environments. Some of our preschool rooms just need kind of some basic updates. So we're going to take some of the money and we're going to do that. But I want to talk a little bit more about the fourth and fifth grade life group rooms. Let me give you the why behind the what. So we want to upgrade these life group rooms so that our adult leaders can facilitate Christ-like conversations with kids to help shape their biblical worldview. Let me paint a picture for you of what happens every Sunday in our children's ministry. Kindergarten through fifth grade on the second floor of our next generation ministry space. And they're outgrowing the space. So we're in here worshiping in this really large worship center and we don't really have a space issue in here. You can kind of spread out, okay? You can put your coat on a chair. It doesn't matter, right? You got all kind of room. But we do have a space issue when it comes to our elementary ministry space here on our campus. They are outgrowing that space. So let me kind of paint a picture for you. There's one large room. It's not huge, but it's a decent size room. That's their large group space. So at the beginning of that time, that's happening right now. It happens at the 930 service as well. Kindergarten through fifth graders, all of them, like over 100 of them, are all in one room, and someone's teaching them. I don't know if you've ever tried to teach over 100 kindergartners through fifth grade. It's not easy, and yet we have a team of people, and they do it, and they do an amazing job every single week. But even that is a challenge, having kindergartners and fifth graders in the same room. We're going to have to address that at some point. I mean, we have a first grader and a fifth grader at home. So having a conversation with the two of them at the dinner table is difficult, much less if there were 98 more of them, okay? So that's a big range. We know that. We're going to have to fix that, solve that at some point. But here's what happens. They have a lesson, biblically based, and then they go into what used to be considered like classrooms, but they're rooms, and they're not set up like a classroom. Like we don't send kids to a room and make them sit still for 45 minutes while an adult talks to them, okay? We're not going to do that. What we do is we have adults who care about them, who take the biblical information that they just heard and help them understand how to apply it to their lives, how to help that shape and form their biblical worldview. And that is the most significant time that happens in our children's ministry. Everything about the other time is to set up that time. Because here's the thing, and I I mean, I've said this before, so I'll say it again. We are not interested in having a generation of kids that know that Jonah sat in the belly of a well for three days, but have no idea why that matters. We are not interested in producing a bunch of kids that can win a Bible drill, but God's word doesn't shape how they behave and act. 
That's just not what we're going for. So we've got adults who are helping these kids see this is why God's word matters with what you do with your life. And let me tell you what fourth and fifth graders are wondering about these days. Transgenderism, homosexuality, pornography, lots of other things are running into at school. And here's what they're wondering. Who can I talk to about that? Is there someone safe in my life that I can ask these questions? See, you used to not have to address those things with kids until they were teenagers or until they went off to college. And here's what we're saying. Oh, no, they're being confronted with them now. I just had a conversation with a parent this morning of a fifth grader about this very thing. And what we're going for as a church is the type of place that says we're going to be on the front lines with these kids, helping them shape their biblical worldview. So here's what I need you to hear me saying. We want them to go into middle school with a biblical worldview formed. We're not trying to shape biblical worldview in middle school and high school. We're trying to shape that in the later elementary school years so that they can be a light and stand firm in their faith during the middle school, high school, and college years. So so let me just kind of right-size this for you. All of that works great until there's 25 of them in a room, and then it gets sideways, okay? I don't know if you've ever tried to facilitate a life-giving discussion about how to shape a biblical worldview with 25 fourth and fifth grade boys. Can I tell you, it doesn't go well. It just doesn't go well, all right? So they're outgrowing their space. We don't have any more space. So everything that we're trying to do can't happen quite simply because there's too many of them. And we like that. They keep bringing their friends to church. We like that. We got to give them bigger space. So again, we're walking around the campus. We're trying to find a bigger space. There's a big space. Let's use that. That's really our plan. It's read and react. Okay, so there's a big space. We're going to go in and we're going to do some work on that. So you got a fourth to fifth grader. Come January fifth grader, they're going to have a larger space. If you've heard them say there's a whole lot of kids in our room and sometimes it gets a little out of control because, you know, it just gets out of control. Yeah, we know and we're working on it and we're going to expand that space. But I want you to see why. It's so that they can have life-giving conversations to grow them in their faith at this pivotal point in their life. So know that when you give, that's part of what your giving is going to go to, right? Here's the third initiative. Now is the time to continue facility improvements and upgrades with technology. Quite simply, with the way ministry happens today, whether it's what we're doing right now with our online broadcast or everything else that happens throughout the week, um, technology is a big part of that. And updating and upgrading that technology is a big part of that. But let me tell you why. This is kind of cool. The reason why we want to do this, continue facility upgrades with our technology, is so that we can continue. We'll put that up in a second. It's so that we can continue to walk through the doors that God is opening for us, okay? So God is opening some doors for us beyond the river region, and we feel like it's important for us to walk through those, and those doors are being opened beyond the river region primarily because of technology. Now, this is really interesting. So We do an online service every single week, obviously. Many of you are joining us online right now, and many of you who are on our campus, when you can't be here on our campus, you join us online. So when we are offering that, we did not put like on a dry erase board, here's the goal, we want to have people from a bunch of different states who join us online every single week. But that's one of the things that's been happening. So the best we can tell, we know of about 10 to 12 states so far that have people that join us every single week. So if you're joining us from another state, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're joining us here with our Vaughn Forest uh, worship experience today. And so that's kind of fun. But, but what really got my attention about three or four months ago was I found out through a member in our church, he let me know this, and I have to be really careful about how I talk about this because I can't say anything that gets anybody in trouble. What I found out is that there's a house church that's meeting on a continent that's not North America, okay? So, or Antarctica. We'll, we'll, we'll remove Antarctica, okay? So it's not North America. It's not Antarctica. There's a house church that's meeting in a place that they're not supposed to be meeting, and our worship service is their worship service. Now, that kind of caught me off guard 
Because I can tell you right now, me of little faith, that thought has never crossed my mind. That thought has never crossed my mind. That has never shown up in a planning meeting. I mean, Chad and Hardy are awesome pastors. They didn't come up with that idea, okay? We didn't sit down and go, hey, what if our Vaughn Forest online service could be the service that a house church uses on another continent? But here's what God in his sovereignty and God in his providence has done as he's opened that door. And here's what I learned many, many years ago. When God opens a door, you step through it. You step through it. You don't have all the answers, that's okay. You don't have all the details figured out, that's fine. If God's doing something, I'm in. I, I wanna be on board with that. So what I'm saying is, look what God is doing. Maybe God is up to something. If there's a few upgrades we need to make to continue to step through that door, our yes is on the table, God, we're gonna do that. So we've got a team of people who understand all that stuff better than me and they know the upgrades that need to be made. And some of y'all are super into technology and some of y'all are super into seeing people meet Jesus in other countries and God's making all that happen through Vaughn Forest, let's go. So one of the initiatives is to just lean into that and see what God wants to continue to do. So know that when you give, that's part of what you're giving will go to, okay? Here's the fourth initiative for our Now is the Time Christmas offering to continue to serve the communities of Pike Road and East Montgomery with no strings attached. This church was started in 1994. Little history lesson here. First Baptist Montgomery, Pastor Jay Wolf was the pastor at the time. He retired a few years ago. Pastor Mark Bethia is the pastor there now. Mark's a good friend. Jay had the vision to see that a church was needed, East Montgomery, East Chase. So 1994, this land was purchased where we meet and this church was started. And this church from its inception the mission has been reach the people of East Montgomery. And for the last 28 years, East Montgomery has been a very fast growing part of our state. And this church has answered that call. This isn't a perfect church, but this church has stayed on mission and continue to reach people. Now, what's been interesting is over the, really probably the last five to 10 years, accelerated over the last three to five years is the growth of Pike Road. So Pike Road is, is exploding. There's hundreds of homes under construction. There's several more hundred homes that will begin construction in the next three to six months. New high school that's already been approved that will be construction, begin construction here in the next few months. The schools are bursting at the seams and people are moving here literally from all over the country. I mean, our kids go to the Pike Road School, so we interact a lot there with parents and different things. And I can just tell you, whether it's Idaho, Denver, New Jersey, just in the last two weeks, met people who live in Pike Road whose kids go to the Pike Road schools. And so God has placed us here strategically. I need you to see this, not just for the growth that East Montgomery has experienced and continues to experience, but for the growth that Pike Road is experiencing and will continue to experience. And we are literally right here at the crossroads of all of that growth. Now, here's why that matters. Here's kind of the why behind the what. We're gonna continue to serve with no strings attached so that we can reach the mission field that God is bringing to us. So we're gonna go on some mission trips this year. I'm super fired up about that. But here's what I need you to see. God is bringing the mission field to us. And it's not often that a church is so strategically located as we are with so many different people who are moving here. And here's what I'm saying. We've been doing this. We're gonna do it to a whole new level. It's gonna go to a whole new level. We're gonna serve people with no strings attached. And here's why that matters. People who are far from God, they think that church wants something from them. So what's this church after? What's their real motivation? Why does this church keep doing all these things? And what we want people to see is, no, no, we, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. 
We want you to have a relationship with the creator of the universe who created you and then sent his son Jesus to die for you. And a lot of times when you serve with no strings attached, that begins to help break down some of those walls that people have built up around their hearts. And so we do that. We serve with no strings attached, whether it's the Pike Road schools or whether it's schools in East Montgomery or whether it's other needs that pop up around our community. We're gonna continue to lean into that. That also applies to our ESL ministry. English as a second language. We do that on Sunday nights. Greg and Karen Lipscomb do a fantastic job leading that ministry. God is bringing people from all over the world to Montgomery and Pike Road. And here's their greatest need, speak English. And we could step into that need with a gospel answer to not only teach English, meet a real need, but teach them about Jesus and how they can have a relationship with him. And that's happening, church. That is happening here at Vaughn Forest Church every single week. We have a service right now, simultaneously happening on the other side of our campus that is a worship service that's completely in Spanish. Pastor Romero is one of the pastors on our team. That is how we are continuing to reach the mission field people God are bringing to us. We don't want the fact that people can't speak English to be a barrier for them hearing the gospel. So this is all about who we are as a church. And here's what I'm saying. We're just gonna keep leaning into that more. And we're gonna keep serving and we're gonna keep seeing people meet Jesus. And part of what you give to this special offering will go towards that initiative. And then finally, the fifth initiative for our Now is the Time special Christmas offering is to answer our for such a time as this call with Roe versus Wade being overturned in our lifetime. And church, quite simply, I believe that that's what this is. I believe that this is our generations for such a time as this call. This decision happened back at the end of June. I came in here that Sunday and talked about it for 10 minutes. And if you missed that, it's posted somewhere on our website. I'm sure you can track that down and find that. But there have been generations of Christians who have been praying for this to happen and they are with Jesus. It didn't happen in their lifetime. It did happen in our lifetime. And I believe that church, it is now our opportunity to step into this new reality to show people how much we love them. So let me give you the why behind the what. So we're answering this for such a time as this call so that we can put into practice the value of the sanctity of life. And we've talked about the value of the sanctity of life for years. And here's what that means. We wanted the unborn child in the womb to have the opportunity to live. And there are still a lot of challenges and issues and problems. I'm not saying everything's been figured out, but I am saying this, that the womb is now a safer place than it was this time a year ago. That's not a political statement. That's a gospel statement. That's a created in God's image statement. But church, here's what I'm saying. It's our move. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do to show hurting, broken people who need Jesus that we love them, no strings attached? Because let's just get real for a second. That decision was made in June of this year. The ramifications of that decision will hit every community in 2023. There are going to be a lot of children born in this community over the next three to six months that previously would not have had the chance to be born. And they're gonna be born into situations where there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety. And if God's people don't step into that to say, we're here to love you with the love of Jesus Christ, who will? And we can't solve this on a global scale, on a national scale. But you know what, church? We can make a dent and make a difference here in Montgomery County. And that's what we're gonna do locally here in Montgomery County. We're going to lead the way in answering the for such a time as this call. This will not be a church-based initiative. We'll partner with other churches. We'll partner with everybody. We'll partner with organizations that we already partner with here locally, whether it's First Choice or Live the Promise that comes alongside fostering families. But here's what I need you to hear me say. I'm gonna be straight up challenging you 
this po- from this point moving forward to sometime in 2023, figure out where God is calling you to be a part of the solution. For some of you, it might mean you're supporting, you're supporting families who are currently fostering kids. For others of you, you may become foster parents. We will host uh, training to become a foster parent, uh, foster family from Montgomery County. We're gonna be hosting that in January and February. You'll be hearing more about that as we get into the new year. That will happen here on our campus. And for some of you, over the next six weeks, you're gonna begin to pray about that and God's gonna tap you on the shoulder and say, that's what I want you to do. For others of you, you're gonna be at this altar in the next six to eight weeks praying about whether or not God would have you to adopt a child. God's gonna rock your world. God's gonna bring you something and some challenge you never even saw coming. And you know why? Because this is our for such a time as this moment. And I really believe, church, that when that decision was made in June, that God took that in just my own time with him, just my own time with the Lord, and landed me on this now is the time phrase. Hey, it's time for the church to be the church. I don't have to tell you what the last two and a half years have looked like. And frankly, I don't wanna talk about the last two and a half years. I just wanna move forward. But do you know what I believe 2023 is? It's time to do the work. It's time to be the people of God. It's time to meet needs. It's time to show broken and hurting people. There is a God who loves you. And there is a God who has his people here. And we're flawed and we're imperfect, but we worship a perfect savior. And we're just here to love you. No strings attached. We're not doing this to make the name of Vaughn Forest Church great. We're doing this to make the name of Jesus great. And church, I believe what God is leading us into is gonna be a phenomenal season. But can I tell you what it's gonna take? Don't miss this. Sacrifice sacrifice. That as long as we're about us and our comfort and our needs and what we want and our likes, we will miss what God is up to. But when we lean into sacrifice, man, we can begin to see what God wants us to see. So what I want you to do today, okay, let me give you a challenge, okay, straight up, real practical. Here's the challenge for today. To begin to pray about how you can be a part of this special Christmas offering. You see the goal there is $200,000. I believe we can hit that goal. But we've got a long time between now and the end of this offering to hit that goal. So $200,000, here's the step I want you to begin to take today. Now, I don't want you to give. The, go- the step today is not to give towards the $200,000 goal. The step today is to begin to pray. Pray and ask God, please don't miss this, how he wants you to sacrificially be a part of this. That's, that's my ask, okay? That you just begin to pray. Hey, God, here's some initiatives. I, I wanna be a part of that. What would you have me give sacrificially? And here's the thing, church. If all of us give sacrificially, we will blow through that goal of $200,000. I'm just telling you right now. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Some of you could give $1,000 and not even miss it. Some of you could give 100 bucks and it would be a huge sacrifice. But as a church family, if we all participate sacrificially, we will get past that $200,000 goal. And why does that matter? To the degree that we meet that goal is to the degree that we can accomplish these initiatives. So let me tell you how we're going to end our time together today. Our worship team is going to come out. They're going to lead us in a time of response. I'm going to challenge you to receive communion. And I wanted to challenge you to receive communion while you began to pray this prayer today, because here's the thing. When we receive communion, what do we remember? The sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So I can't think of a better thing to do while asking God, what would you have me sacrificially give then receive the elements of communion being reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. So we've got communion stations here and on the front. We've got them in the middle and we've got them in the back of the room as well. 
And so as Matt and his team lead us in worship, you have the freedom to move around. Perhaps you want to get the communion elements and find somewhere here in the room that you and your family can begin to pray. And maybe just a 30-second, 60-second prayer. God, we've heard what you had to say today. Begin to show us how you would have us to be a part of this. So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, you'll have the freedom to begin to move, receive communion as Matt and his team lead us in a time of response today. And so God, we come to you right now. And God, quite simply, what we say is we wanna worship you. God, when we consider who you are and we consider the mighty works of your hand and we consider all that you've done and we consider you sacrificing your son and we consider in faithfulness what we believe you will continue to do, the only thing we can do is to respond in worship. And God, for many of us, worship is a, it's a good emotion. It's a song that we sing. But God, perhaps for these next few moments, we could just come to terms that worship is a sacrifice. And we could ask how you would have us display that, demonstrate that, be obedient to that as we remember the sacrifice you made by sending your only son to purchase salvation for us on the cross. God, speak to your people. God, move in our hearts. God, help us to recognize the time that we are in and the hurts and the needs that are around us and how you've called us to step into that for such a time as this. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to be your people. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus.